Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. You know, every year, tens of thousands of teenagers struggle with thoughts of depression, deep sadness, isolation, suicide, stress, and feelings of helplessness. And sadly, too often, the parents of these teens are the last to learn about this and sometimes too late to take action. Well, here with me today to discuss this is Elliot Callan. Elliot brings 25 years of leadership and management experience from the business sector to his role at A Brighter Day a nonprofit charity that helps spread awareness about depression and suicide prevention for teens and parents. Elliot co-founded A Brighter Day in 2016 with his wife, Tammy, after the loss of their son, Jake, in an effort to support young adults in their transition to adulthood and to help prevent teen suicide. Elliot, so nice to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, Graham. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. Hey, you know, we've done some shows on suicide before on our podcast. It's always a delicate and sometimes tricky subject to address. However, as a psychologist myself, I know, as I know you know as well, Elliot, that it is essential that we address this subject responsibly, looking to safely message what I believe in in a bold and candid way so as to name it and bring it to a conversation level, something that so many young people are struggling with and really maybe even contemplating as even listen to this show. So as we started, we're going to be talking about some of the things you're doing through A Brighter Day, but I want to start, if you would, with your willingness to share with us and elaborate upon the loss of your son, Jake, and how you and Tammy decided to create A Brighter Day. Well, thanks again, Graham. And, you know, it's it's a sad story, but here's what happened. My son, Jake, was a 19-year-old at the University of Montana, sophomore, happy-go-lucky, played ice hockey. His uniform is retired at Montana for scoring and and here at the local rink in California, <clears throat> just a great kid, but he was a ticking time bomb. And we didn't know that no drugs and no alcohol. So everything changed. And so on a early on a Friday morning at about one in the morning, he made his bed, he walked up to the highway and he jumped in front of an oncoming truck, mm-hmm. took his life. And we were frantically looking for him all day because no teenager shuts their phone off. And something felt just off and wrong. And and then at 6.30 at night, Federal Express knocked on the door and delivered us a six-page suicide note. Hmm. And he had written that probably all week to write it. And basically in the first paragraph, Graham, he wrote, Mom and Dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help. And I never would have taken your help. Hmm. And we had to go up to Montana to go get his body bring it back to Northern California for burial. I read that all the way up. And then I read that paragraph over and over and over on the way back with his body under the plane. And we realized at that moment, we need to help other families not feel this destruction, this devastation. We have to help others because we cannot be the only ones who didn't know what was going on between that facade. We just can't. I told you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so we decided we that we would create a charity. Then we called it a brighter day. It wasn't taken. And we wanted to make it some type of charity to reach children. At first, we thought sports because it was a bit of a jock. But we realized that music is what most kids have in common. Mm-hmm. And so we started as a musical charity. We mm-hmm. took a, a concept in high school, Battle of the Bands, 
already known concept, turned yeah. to change the name to Teen Band Showcase. Yeah. And started marketing it all over Northern California. And in the first three years of the charity, we cre we created backpacks filled with resources on stress and depression. And I don't mean sponge ball, squeeze your ball. I'm talking about articles for parents, for teens, yeah. for their friends, whatever they want to look at. And in the first few years, we handed out over 2,000 backpacks to teens. Uh -huh. And we knew they were working because at these dances, we weren't finding them on the ground afterwards. We knew they were taking them home. And it was an attractive backpack, too. And I was figured, okay, you can keep the backpack and throw out the innards. You can keep it all, do whatever you want. Yeah. But it worked. And then COVID hit. It changed the world for us. And we created a talent showcase. But we then began to realize, after we had a teen talent showcase, kind of America's Got Talent with Teens, mm -hmm. we had 14,000 people watch it, which That's is just really amazing. Great. Yeah, But it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like we were reaching the teens in the capacity that we wanted to do it. And we were already writing our own resources. We were writing a bi-weekly newsletter. I'm a bit of a prolific writer. And I decided I'm really going to invest time, energy, and money in this charity with the hopes of reaching eventually tens of thousands of people. Yeah. We hired a writer, writes with me. We hired a social media person. We redid the website. And now here we are fast forward. The charity six years old. In the first three years, we touched 2,000 teens. Last month, 19,000 people downloaded our resources. Fantastic. Fantastic. A big, big difference. And the resources are written both for parents and for teens, but we spend most of our time going to the parents now because we thought the best way to reach the teen mm -hmm. is through the parents. So we give them articles, but we also give them tools, questions to ask, how to get into your child's life. Because we live in a really busy world. We live in a, I don't want to call it the helicopter world because that's just too easy to say. We live in a world where kids are barely home. They're barely engaged with the family. Everybody's running around, two income parents. There's nobody playing basketball on a basketball court anywhere in the country on a Saturday and Sunday anymore. It's all organized sports. It's okay. changed so much from when we were young that parents are out of gas and yeah. they're exhausted and they don't know what to do. And we're giving them tools to help make a difference in their teen's life. I love the way that you, you know, you're sharing this. I want to come back in just a few minutes and talk a little bit more specifically about the tools you're giving them. And you're giving them ways to kind of saddle up alongside their kids and giving them some ways to kind of bridge these conversations. But I want to go back to this message that you're emphasizing here. You're saying that even if suicidal thoughts and impulses, we, we, we know that they come and go, sometimes even go away, but ultimately, and sometimes they don't. But ultimately, they're a signal of a more serious problem, and getting help is going to be the best way to get better and to heal. And we know that with time and with support, things can get better. These are temporary things that they don't feel it when you're in it, but you're encouraging people to reach out and you're acknowledging life can be hard. You know, as kids transition to adulthood, it's okay to be confused and lost, and it's okay to feel like you don't have the emotional resources to deal with life, some of the life challenges, and, and it's okay to be less than perfect. But no matter how hard it is, you're encouraging, don't go through that time alone. L allow some people to come alongside you. And sometimes maybe some folks are going to come in and they're going to have the right questions or at least try to, to engage with you. If not, here are some ways to reach out. But you want folks not to go through this time alone. It's imperative that it's there's a family unit there that yeah. really cares. I, I have a cousin of mine right now in New Jersey. He's going through some major league depression. 
and got suicidal. Started to just self-destruct by smoking a lot of pot. Then he started to just withdraw from everybody. And he said, no one cares about me. He happens to be adopted. No one loves me. I'm not really your family. My mother abandoned me. I have no father. I'm nobody. I'm lost. And I know his walls were getting blacker and blacker when I talked to my cousin because he began to start talking about maybe you wouldn't even miss me if I was gone. Yeah. And they were able, we worked together on this. They were able to find a place in Connecticut where he could finish high school and be an inpatient person at the same time because he is a minor. And his life has already changed around. He called me up and he said, you know, hey, if I run a business plan by you, would you give me your opinion? And, and I love you and I know you love me. And you know, I sent him a letter about how, how important family is that not only do I do we care about you and your family, but my father and your grandfather were best friends huh. back in Newark, New Jersey. And this is the fourth generation with you that are close in the family. We care. And then I had my wife call him and my kids talk to him. And suddenly so he good. now feels like, well, maybe he really isn't alone anymore. Yeah. Uh, and he was never really alone. He just didn't understand it. Yeah. You know what you're doing a nice job right there? If you give us some of the experience and some of the words or some of the mindset that someone in that state experiences, walls coming up and feeling like no one cares, no one's going to miss me, some of the hopelessness, despair, isolation. And, and when we're in that state, all of us can be, teens in particular, can become very myopic in their view of things. They don't, they, they, they don't see the larger realities around them. And even though if you're kind of telling them, and I love the idea of plugging them into some work around that. I, I want to ask a little bit further, in your work over these many years and all the people that you're touching, what have you learned about the mindset for a young person when they're in a place of depression or they're even contemplating or having some suicidal ideation? What's their mindset have you found? Well, that's a great question and no one really knows the mindset, but I'm going to tell you what I think it is. The, the square walls around this team are getting darker and blacker. That yesterday was pretty horrible. My friends are pretty horrible. My family's pretty horrible. Today's pretty horrible. Tomorrow is going to be even worse, Graham. Why bother? Yeah. And it's that why bother. My daughter on Christmas Eve a number of years ago walked the Golden Gate Bridge on a patrol to try to help anybody mm -hmm. that wanted to jump off the bridge. Mm -hmm. And they did a little education training for them to ask them what they were doing on Christmas and New Year's. That's a simple thing. Yeah. What are you doing on Christmas and New Year's? To have somebody someplace to go. And if they really didn't, good. they knew to take some actions and call somebody in a van would come and bring them to a shelter and get them. Yeah. But if they had nowhere to go, I have no plans for Christmas. I have no plans for New Year's. I have nothing in the future to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And I think teens feel that way, especially when their life has changed. And, and let me give you an example of what's going on in suicide with teens and their thought process. And I know your viewers know that because they're excellent at what you do. That suicide now is the second leading cause of death for teens beyond accidents. It's not cancer. It's not no. AIDS. It's not even unknown diabetes. It's suicide. So we just had this happen locally uh, about a year and a half ago. There was a, a junior here at the high school who was the high school quarterback. I'm an old quarterback. I always feel for quarterbacks because we end up running for our lives all the time. <laughs> That's right. Looks, it looks like we're having all the glory in the NFL, but no, most of the time right. we're just getting our ribs broken by somebody bigger than us. Anyway, he was a junior. He had four point, about a 4.2 grade point average. 
very social kid. He wanted to go into the Ivy League world and play football for Ivy League team. There are no scholarships at that level, but it didn't matter because he felt he qualified. And that was his dream. He didn't have a plan B. He had a plan A. Hmm. I'm going to an Ivy League school. COVID happened and the world shut down his junior year. And it turned out he wasn't a very good online at-home student. Mm. And he missed his friends. And in California, socially, we did a terrible job to teenagers with our lockdowns. Just terrible, which is a conversation for another day. But it's terrible. And he lost his circle of friends. And then his senior year comes around and football is canceled. Yeah, brutal. And his grades go from 4.2 to 3 Mm. point something. Yeah, He's no longer Ivy League material. He knew it. He felt it. The counselor told him, you're no longer Ivy League material. You have to be more realistic. One night, he went down to the high school with a rope, went over to the football stadium, the crossbar, put a rope over it, hung himself on a crossbar. Yeah. That's it. He gave up. There's nothing to look forward to for him because there was no plan B and there was no tomorrow because... I can't do that. I don't really don't have anything else I'm going to do. It goes back to what you said earlier. You know, why, 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 why bother? If all those, if my plan A is not going to be working, well, why, why bother? You're naming some other things that I was going to highlight for our listeners too. Things just to kind of pay attention to. The mindset in that time is, you know, no one understands. It again feels very, very alone, and it feels hopeless. There's nothing like you're saying. There's nothing to look forward to. Why bother? And you talked about the the Golden Gate Bridge and your and your daughter there. What a what a great ministry to go and 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 to to connect with people there. We had Kevin Hines on our show. Kevin Hines was one of the survivors, one of the few survivors that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and he survived and came onto the show. And he, he has a wonderful organization that he speaks to multiple people. And he was saying as well the same kind of thing. Most don't want to die. They they, they really don't. Most just can't tolerate. The pain that they're in that's accumulated over time. And like you're saying, that seems like there's a hopelessness. They seem like in some ways it's maybe even a coping strategy, as weird as that might sound, is I just want the pain to stop. Don't want to die. I just want the pain to stop. And it's a very, very difficult place to be, isn't it? Yeah. We started a tech service for teens and their parents. Yeah. We're in all 50 states that can just type in the word brighter to 741741. And it works in all 50 states. It's wonderful. In five minutes, they'll have a counselor to talk to up to 40 minutes at a time. And they can do it seven days a week. And it's free. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. the number one question that teens ask is, am I the only one feeling this way? That's right. That's right. That's such an important piece. You know, this idea of being able to do two things, I think, in a situation like that, one we can normalize for them. This is not an unusual place to be, given the circumstances that are in your life right now or the things you're going through. So we get to normalize it first. And then we get to talk about the universality of this. You are not alone. And just those two things sometimes, naming it, validating it, and then saying you're not alone in this or other people. And other people in these cases find ways through this. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Nearly 9 in 10 registered voters believe the nation faces a mental health crisis, according to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Americans are more concerned than ever about their mental health. Mental Health First Aid provides the resources and training to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges. It provides the confidence and skills needed to offer life-saving assistance, and it provides peace of mind. Our experts provide mental health first aid training for adults, teens, caregivers, veterans, law enforcement, EMS, and school faculty. 
Mental health concerns are on the rise, but evidence-based training through mental health first aid can make a difference. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org to find a course near you or email hello at mentalhealthfirstaid.org to schedule a training. Courses are available for individuals, groups, organizations, and companies of all sizes. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org and make a difference in your community. I know you guys have a number of things, you know, you guys have the teen talent show, you got the monthly newsletter, you got the number you just gave us right there. You got a mental wellness blog. Listeners on their site, they've got a, a wonderful set of articles from depression to anxiety to suicide to bullying. In fact, mentioning bullying right now, why, why do you guys emphasize bullying? Help us appreciate the importance of understanding that. So originally we didn't talk about bullying. That's, that's only in the last 18 months we decided that we have to emphasize, maybe two years, emphasize bullying as well because bullying creates isolation mm -hmm. because now I'm being bullied and you know we we've heard about bullying online obviously during COVID it was everything was online and there's bullying at school and there's always been bullying there's there, from the time sure there's schools there's been bullying sure. so that's not new but now social media has amplified everything yeah you could ruin a teen's life in their mind on Instagram Right. By just creating the wrong rumor yeah. or creating a picture, an embarrassing picture mm -hmm. of that team. And, you know, we all have embarrassing moments, but imagine that's captured Absolutely. with a fragile ego. They're, they feel destroyed. They can't even face their friends or their family. No, no. And it's not that bad. In a year from now, everybody's going to laugh at it. Yeah, but they can't right-size it in that moment, yeah. can they? Right and so yeah. that's what's changed is social media has negatively affected teens. No matter how much they love it, it's created a highlight reel of everybody else's life but theirs. In fact, in one of your videos, I was listening to you and you were talking with the, with the moderator there about parents need to come in and kind of rescue their teens from social media and really help them in that area. It's good for school and doing a Google search around something you know academically related, but the other side of it can be so damaging. Oh, it's horrible. So when my when my kids were in high school, we live in Northern California, and so many people go to Lake Tahoe in a winter mm -hmm. Christmas break to go skiing. And then Hawaii is just a hop, skip, and a jump five hours down the road, so to speak. And lots of people do that on Christmas break. Well, not everybody. Lots of people are around too. Yeah. One of my kids asked me that Christmas break, Dad, are we the only ones that don't go to Tahoe or, or Hawaii? For Christmas, what's wrong with us? Right, right. They begin to personalize it. Yeah, they yeah, begin to personalize horrible, it. It's a horrible thought because it it made them feel inadequate. Yeah, and and That's so bad. we take these pictures. You know, I was just on vacation recently in, in French Polynesia, and I sent these pictures to Facebook, and I've had people react two ways. One is, "Wow, what a vacation!" Yeah, and the other way was kind of in an envious way. Like, well, you did it and I didn't. Oh. And, and now I could deal with that and, and say, yeah, it's a trip of a lifetime and we would only do it once. And I, I know what to do as an adult. But when you're a teen on something like that, what do you say? Right. What do you do? You're embarrassed. Your right. own success is an embarrassment to yourself. It makes, That's there's no logic, but it doesn't change that fact. Well, there's a certain shame-based message to that, what you're saying right there. You know, that there's something about me that's not okay, whether I'm the one doing it or the one not doing it, either side. 
You mentioned something earlier. You were talking about parents and how you're equipping them. And, and I love the idea of having resources for teens and guiding them to things, whether it's through the blog or whether it's through the band stuff or the other things you're, you're doing. But I love the inroads that you're equipping parents to take a look at. If teens are going to bring things to a conversation level, I love the idea of parents being able to do so and to be assertive in that. You know, we, we've talked on prior shows, you know, oftentimes parents are afraid to talk about drug use or, you know, sex or suicide, thinking that if we talk about it, they're going to go do it, right? But the idea is if we go in and we we name it and we rather than, you know, leave it to a child to kind of work it out or a young teen to work it out on their own or talk about their peers or look at things on social media. What if an adult came in and they had the right language? They had some good enough language, not the right, let's say good enough language to come in in their best loving, clumsy way to say, hey, I love you enough to try and struggle through a conversation here. Would you join me? And I love this idea of you guys reaching parents to provide these resources, psychoeducational resources, to help equip them with some language. Tell us what you're doing in that area to equip parents. Oh, that's a great question. So on our website is a a parent survival toolkit. There's also a teen survival toolkit. And in there are all types of articles and suggestions to parents on what they can do. Let me just give you a couple of them if I could, Grant. Please, I'd love it. So the first thing a parent should do and, and maybe stop is make dinners cell phone free for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing you can do. It's such an easy thing to do. And most of these steps are easy. Can no, I piggyback on that just real quick? I'm going to piggyback on that real quick. The cell phone free dinners. But you know, the, the research says about those that were most successful in life had family dinners together more times than not. That's right. So you're talking about two things right now, relationship building and taking the social media out of that dinner table place. Continue. Have dinners. I mean, sure, you've got, again, kids are busy, parents are busy. You can't do this every night of the week. But when you're going in a dinner, so many times they're having their cell phone in front of them and they're getting text. They're living in it. You've got to make dinners cell phone free. And then we give on the website questions that you can ask as a parent, your team. And we even give teens questions that can ask their parents if their parents are not equipped to engage. (laughs) Your parents how to engage. I love it. Yeah. That's good. Imagine, so you, imagine if your teen asked you, hey, dad, how was your day today? Right, right. What's happening? You're a professional in the psych world. Do you ever deal with crazy people? Right. Imagine right. your teen asking you that question and you have the opportunity to answer. Well, yeah. let me tell you, crazy isn't always crazy like you think it is. It's all right. Not that. But we, we, we teach parents how to ask a question. And let me give you some simple questions that people take for granted. And then it's not just how your day was, because you're going to get a boy to answer monosyllabically. Fine. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Black caveman, shrug it off. Sure. You got to dig a little bit. And little things like, what's your favorite class? Yeah. Why? Why? Who's your favorite teacher? Why? Who's your least favorite teacher? How are you doing in that class? Your best and your worst. Your best friend. Who is your best friend? Your best friend is Jimmy or Jane. How are they doing in that class? Because if you're both struggling, you might have withdrawn from that class emotionally, and now you're destined for failure. Yeah, And that happens too. And sometimes your child will talk third party to you like, well, I'm doing really well, but Jimmy's struggling. Yeah, They're not talking about Jimmy at all. They're talking about themselves. That's right. You know what I love about that? You're talking about, you know, if... If we as parents can kind of equip ourselves with simple, simple pieces, what and how questions. So what was that like? Or how did you do in that in that situation? Or what was coming up for you in that situation? Or how did you feel about? 
And those what and how questions can keep that ball rolling in such good ways. And what you're saying here too, that I want to highlight, Elliot, is that our kids, our young people, they want to talk with us. We think, oh, they're going to go into high school years and their peers are going to become, you know, primary. They're not going to want to talk to mom and dad. Baloney. They want to talk to mom and dad about things. They want to engage. And sometimes all it takes is to initiate that. And before we know it, we got some good conversations going on. It's great. Teens are basically cave people into the, yeah. of as humans. So you've got to draw this out. You're right. You're absolutely right, Graham. They do want to talk. They want to feel like they're being listened to. Absolutely. And yeah. so you can, as a parent, do that and, and make dinners. Even I say, if, if that's working and you need something else, take a walk once a week with your team. Yeah, I agree. You and the team. Find out what's going on. You, you know, the most I, I think the most successful thing I ever did with my teens is when we visited schools, actually when we went to school as freshmen, college freshmen, I took them, just myself, on a road show to just the two of us. So one of my teens, one was in California, so it didn't matter. It wasn't that far. But one of the teens I, on the way there, I took you to Yosemite. That, that, let's do, the other one who was going to St. Louis, we took Route 66. Through, oh, that's you know, good. And then we stopped in Oklahoma. He had never been on a horse. And I, I'd been on a horse as a child a lot. And I put him in a horse whisper camp for a day. Oh, that's great. Where he learned all about horse politics and wash the horse and and got in there. It, it totally changed his life of yeah. what, what's out there besides suburbia. That's, that's right. Like country bumpkins that ride the Oregon Trail that are normal, natural, healthy people. So, you, so, so you're talking about something that's complementary to the conversational piece. So, so we can, we can share and we can kind of get into our teens' life through having conversations. You're giving kind of lead-in questions. You're giving encouragement to equip parents that way. But you're also highlighting another thing too. We can also bond kind of in triangles. You, me, and an event. And if we're doing that event, we get to share that in a way that really kind of brings us together. And the more we kind of share in those kind of triangle things, then we get to know each other better through that event, through that experience. Men men do this all the time. Thank goodness for sports, because we would never give each other high fives or hugs or say, hey, I love you, dude, and all those kinds of things, because it allows us to come together in a safe way and express those things. And after a while, we say, well, how's your day going? And how's things going with your wife? And we begin to talk about us, but we start with that third, that that that, that third part, kind of that triangle piece. Absolutely. And that's what you're talking about here, sharing those events, which is wonderful. Love that. You need bonding moments, bro moments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just need time to, to get into your kid's head when they're least expecting it. Yeah, that's really good. You know, you guys also have some charity programs that assist teens in crisis. You mentioned one earlier. You have an emergency hotline. You got BetterHelp Partnership. Can you go back over those again in terms of the charity programs you guys partner with? Absolutely. So there are three that we partnered with that we okay. think are really effective. The first is a national text hotline okay. where they can get immediate help. And that's for anybody. But, but we've signed up in all 50 states here. So anybody, a parent or a teen, can text the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, to 741-741. And then within five minutes, they will be speaking to a counselor and uh, via texting. And they can go back and forth on any subject they want to go on. So it's good. Like, Parents saying, I'm, I've am i lost my child. What do I do? And I, okay. I can't reach them emotionally. Or my ch- I just discovered my child is cutting their thigh. Mm-hmm. Or the child can say, again, most pro- am I the only one feeling this way? Right. Or what do I do? I can't tell my parents I'm failing algebra. I just can't. My dad will die if I tell him I'm failing algebra. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. So And they're going to fail. So they're going to just let it right. happen. So that's part of it. 
then the next part is one of the complaints about your child needs real counseling is that if your child's in crisis right now, your team, around the country, it could take six to 10 weeks to get an appointment for your team. Yeah. Well, if your child's in crisis, that's a lifetime. You bet. So, so we hooked up with BetterHelp, which is on the internet. You can find them. Yeah. And we now get somebody, a licensed therapist, within seven days, they have to fill out some paperwork on that versus the text line, there's no paperwork. They fill out some paperwork and if they go through our website, we have gift cards that will help pay for multiple nice. sessions. So nice. it's free. So, so don't let the economy be the issue to help your child. And the third thing is, is we've worked with Evolve Centers, which is inpatient places on the West Coast that if everything's falling apart, we can go there too. Really good. I know we're kind of beginning to wind down here, but share with us kind of just in a little bit of a nutshell, what's some of the feedback you're receiving from teens, from parents that are participating with A Brighter Day? Oh my goodness. It's it's so positive. Thank you. I have five letters up here from That's teens, awesome. two from teens and three from parents. Thank you for saving my life or my teen's life. You bet. Thank you. you bet. And yeah. That's spectacular. That's what we live for. I get calls probably three or four a month from parents saying, I don't know what to do. And I know that somebody gave me your name because you've done something about it. So, really you know, I don't, I don't take any money out of the charity. Everything that we earn and fun and everything I've told you is not about fundraising. We do differently. It's, it's goes into the charity. I don't take it. Yeah. So really good. There's no financial remuneration. It's all about making a difference in the lives of teens and their parents with the goal of stopping teen suicide. I'm going to ask you about some resources here in just a minute for our, our listeners to connect with you. But I want to let our listeners know that in addition to your website, which has got some great things on it, it's really easy to navigate, very informative, very, very thorough. You guys all have, also have coming up in the next 20 days, I think about 20, 19 hours from now, your third annual, 10th Thursday, a virtual gala. And uh, give us kind of a little bit of a nutshell of that. Sure. Uh, thank you for mentioning it. The website is www.abrighterday.info.org works too, but it's abrighterday.info. And, you know, charity, unfortunately from charities, money is the mother's milk of charity, like it is for politics. You got to raise money. All these things cost a lot of money. And so we use that gala to raise money. And we will raise a lot of money doing that. It's open around the country because I'm from the New York market. Lots of people on the East Coast will watch it as well. It's going to start at 5.30 California time on the 10th of November. Nice. The first 30 minutes are entertainment, teens, what I, what teens performing for everybody. That's great. Really exciting. And then we're going to get into the auction part. And it's a traditional auction of live items, silent auction items, and, and a, what's called a raise the paddle or an ask that we do. And I, I really can't emphasize enough. We'd love to have people on there. And they on the website, they can not only join the gala, they can also sign up for the newsletter that goes out bi-weekly. Every other week, we are sending out a sure, newsletter sure. and it's free. There's no advertising. We only use work donations through golf, gala, and regular donations. Fantastic. You know, one of my favorite quotes was from Kevin Hines, a survivor I mentioned that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. He said, you don't need to see the light at the end of the tunnel to know that it's there. And it is. You just haven't walked far enough yet. You just may need someone to walk a little bit further with you. And what you guys are doing, Elliot, I think is, is you're walking with folks a bit further by telling us that, you know, through your story and your message of hope and your charity of a brighter day and letting us know that there are 
those that are willing and able to talk and walk a little bit further with those that are struggling. They just need to ask and parents just need to learn, learn to know how to ask and to kind of get into their kids' lives. So thanks for what you're doing. What a great program. And we would love to have you back at a later time. Anytime, Graham. I love doing this. Great to be with you. Hey, you know, I also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Elliot and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash bht. So check out our webpage, triadhq.com slash bht, and explore our archive of podcasts and other resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on this show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.